May is Fibromyalgia Awareness Month. It's important to raise awareness about this chronic and often debilitating invisible illness known as fibromyalgia. This month-long campaign is an opportunity to educate people about the symptoms, causes, and treatments of fibromyalgia, as well as to show support for those living with these and other related invisible illnesses. Through increased awareness, we can work towards better understanding and management of fibromyalgia and ultimately improve the quality of life for those who are affected by it. And now on to this week's episode. On this episode, we continue the conversation about ADHD and fibromyalgia. You'll learn on this episode that the Therapies for ADHD, all non-medication therapies have failed, but one, and that's exercise. About 12% of people with ADHD can control it well with exercise. It turns out in these people who have this ability, one hour of aerobic vigorous exercise works for about four hours of productivity and focus. That's the equal of medication. That means, of course, that 88% of people, this is ineffective, but there is a small percent that does have benefit. Many people attempt to medicate their ADHD, but it's with unhealthy options. The most common medications that people use to self-treat are alcohol, marijuana, high amounts of caffeine, and nicotine, as well as calorie-dense foods. And also we'll learn on this episode more about problems with sleeping in those who have ADHD, and many with fibromyalgia also have problems sleeping, so there's a overlap that can help explain some of the struggles. Welcome to the Conquering Your Fibromyalgia podcast, where my goal is to give real answers and real solutions to real pain, fatigue, and brain fog. Who am I and what authority do I have to give a podcast on fibromyalgia? Well, I've been a physician for over 25 years. I'm a pediatrician, an internist, which is a medical doctor for adults, as well as certified in lifestyle medicine and clinical lipidology. I hope to weave the best of medical management with the best of lifestyle and use an evidence-based approach to give information in a digestible delivery, both through the book, Conquering Your Fibromyalgia, Real Answers and Real Solutions for Real Pain, as well as through this podcast. Remember, that this podcast is meant for educational purposes only and should not replace an office visit with your physician or medical provider. I hope that this will be a supplement to your office visits as well as to what's covered in the book. This podcast is meant for you if you have fibromyalgia, if you have a loved one who has fibromyalgia, or if you are a physician or healthcare provider who wants to learn more about how to take excellent care of your patients with fibromyalgia. My hope is to help you as you go on the bold journey from not just surviving fibromyalgia, but 
reducing the suffering, and even reversing fibromyalgia. You can show your support for the podcast by leaving a review and sharing with others and hitting the follow or subscribe button wherever you're listening to podcasts. And now on to this week's episode. It makes me think of another thing is that people who have ADHD treat their ADHD, whether it's the best way to treat it with stimulants, but they are treating it. And from my experience is that in some level, the people who have ADHD who do the best, who are not been treated at some point, and there are a few that can make it through in a sense and not have everything fall apart if there's other structure in their life and they have a super high IQ and a spouse that can, and a secretary and administrative people that can organize their life, but they are have to be very active in a very creative talking type career and their hobby has to be very creative and active in order to do that. And when I take histories of many of my patients who had fibromyalgia is like, well, I always was active. When I was a kid, I didn't want to sit inside and just cook. I wanted to always be playing with the boys. I always wanted to be in in sports. I loved playing sports. I had to be playing year round. My mom had a patient said my mom, (laughs) his dad had had it but never was diagnosed or treated, but looking at the classic history. But he's like, yeah, my mom knew she always had to keep me busy in sports because I was bouncing all around the place and I had to keep busy. And part of exercise and with fibromyalgia is, well, doc, I don't notice it when I'm moving, but I know that pain's there, that mystery pain that I might be injuring my body is when I stop moving. And that's similar to anxiety symptoms. They were the D1 athlete. They played their whole life year round. And then they're finally, you know, uh, the Wisconsin Badgers just uh, won the national volleyball championship. Congratulations. Before the (laughs) recording. And the dedication to be able to practice hours of day can put that in. Many people who have fibromyalgia were former high-level athletes And the thought when they were younger that they'd ever have this crippling pain, fatigue, brain fog where they are at age 40. And when I bring that up with patients, it's validating because at this point, they've gained 70 pounds since they graduated college. They have had so many struggles that they nobody would say this wasn't my normal like this wasn't my whole life. I actually used to be and I never ever would have thought, but now there wasn't a motivation like you talked about. I didn't, I'm not trying to make the D1 and and, well, structure, like the coach is like, Hey, you got to go to practice. And there was a reason to practice. Like I wanted to get in shape. Well, eventually even volleyball, you're going to come to the career. Uh, Brett Favre uh, eventually has to retire. And eventually there's just like everybody else. You you have to self-motivate to exercise because it's a good thing. And I think often with fibromyalgia and if there's coexisting ADHD, that drive the self-motivation is much harder to get all the other distractions because, you know, they feel guilty. Their life is so inefficient that they feel guilty if they tell their spouse, I have to work out vigorously every day, two to three hours. And, and, and you know, when you look at adults who are triathletes, yeah. there's higher, much higher rates of ADHD because they've, oh, yeah. can you, so talking about how people have treated ADHD in adults and call them maladaptive behaviors. <laughs> in, in <some> ways. <laughs> well, the thing is that, that you know, I'm so before that, all of the non-medication-based therapies have failed, except one. 
and that's aerobic exercise. And there's about somewhere around 12% of, of people with ADHD can treat their ADHD with exercise. And the trade-off is about one hour of aerobic exercise or four hours of productivity and focus that is the equal of medication. And so the standard thing I hear is the person exercises before work, goes, does work, exercises over lunch, goes back and works, exercises after their work. And they are tremendously fit people and very functional. I get them when they get their ACL tear. Mm. They can't exercise and it's like they ran into a wall. And the ADHD is everywhere. And so, it's similar to fibromyalgia because they might have been, they were exercising. I hear stories and they say, well, I got in that car accident, got whiplash. And people gave them the wrong advice to say, hey, okay, we don't want to have you sitting too long because then your pain gets worse. And then you get into that cycle of pain. And then maybe they were able to exercise enough that their RLS wasn't as bad, but now they get more fatigued and you start to get in this downward spiral where it really struggles. And I've heard you on one of the other podcasts I listened to, and, and I see this with patients too, people will self-medicate, call it medication, high levels of alcohol, nicotine, and marijuana use in untreated and ADHD. Caffeine. And caffeine. 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 And then people who come in who, who are drinking three to four pots of coffee a day. And then there's also, and this is, everybody's an individual and certain genetics apply to your weight susceptibility, but People who have untreated ADHD weigh more on average, probably related to getting into the calorie-dense food addiction, that pleasure trap of food that is marketed as it isn't the healthy whole grains, fruits, vegetables, but it's the calorie-dense salt, sugar, and fat that is really addictive that's been you know trying to get people addictive, and they fall for that tra- trap, and it makes them... Plus the impulsivity, you know, somebody brought donuts to the office and they're just sort of walking by impulsively. They pick up two, you Mm -hmm. know, (laughs) and it's they don't they don't stop and think about, is this good for me? Does it fit my my diet or something like that? They eat impulsively. But I'm going back because this is an extremely important point is the the parent who says, oh, I worry about my kid uh, getting addicted and stuff like that. That doesn't happen. <laughs> Just these are not addictive medication. But I tell them, I said, look, your choice is not whether your child takes medication or not. Your choice is whether you your child takes the medications that I prescribe or they take the medication that they get from some other pimply faced kid at a party because they are going to medicate their their ADHD. Probably for me, the biggest one is marijuana so that they can sleep at night. Mm-hmm. And that's where we get back to where ADHD and fibromyalgia overlap. And that is people with, with ADHD and fibromyalgia don't sleep worth a hoot. Mm-hmm. They never get down into the deeper areas of sleep. It's a very shallow, what I call puddle jumping. Yeah. They never get deep. And the average person with ADHD spends two hours every night trying to shut off their hyper-aroused brains so that they can go to sleep. So that most people with ADHD are significantly sleep-deprived. There were a lot of key points that Dr. Dobson just brought up there. One is marijuana use. 
with ADHD, if I have a patient that's using marijuana use on a daily basis, it's highly likely they have ADHD. Now there's questions of, does marijuana help with fibromyalgia? I think a better question is, is that really a marker for untreated ADHD? And then do we go with the stronger supporter evidence of diagnosing the ADHD and then having improvement in functioning and decreased overall fibromyalgia symptoms. Another important point that he made is the connection between poor sleep. And this is a tricky one because you can have restless leg and you can have ADHD. They often are highly comorbid. With restless leg, you get that urge to have to move the legs. But with ADHD alone, there is so many things that are going through somebody's head who has untreated ADHD. They have all these different thoughts going through their mind, all of these projects that are potentially half completed, or just so many things that they haven't done adequately, and they just can't turn off their brain. Now, if it's misconstrued, some people can say that this is bipolar, but it's not really bipolar as far as truly racing thoughts, but it's just all these different things and I can't filter them out to get to a calm place to relax and then allow myself to get to sleep. Now, treating ADHD often leads to resolution of those symptoms in most of my patients when they're optimally treated. Mm -hmm. There's an overlap. What I found is there's a sleep issue and two things I have to separate it as a clinician. And sometimes it's not always clear is that there's RLS, restless leg syndrome, which likely is a dopamine problem. And then there are those who don't truly have RLS, but it's the anxiety of life of the uncompleted, unfulfilled obligations during the day, projects, weeks, and sort of like the person who in college or high school who has a paper due and it's a lot of stuff and the, uh, you know, the chemistry classes and the papers and they're building up. They can't relax because they know, holy cow, this is in the back of my mind. I didn't really do much. I was playing video games. I was screwing around. And now I think about this and, and I can't relax versus when they treat their ADHD and they have now in the adult world, I've done what I call TCB, taking care of business. It's not a high. It's just a you know, it's often the treatment is the lack of symptoms. I've completed things. I've done things. I've paced myself. I haven't gotten overwhelmed. And I sure I didn't get everything done, but the paper's due in three weeks. I've started the process. I'll get to it. In fact, I know I'll get it done a week before. I had a patient of mine who got treated, who had anxiety and was grandfathered in with some help, but we were talking more about ADHD and explored the diagnosis and she was diagnosed and treated. And she said, I was getting ready for a trip. And, you know, Doc, and most trips, the night before, I'm scrambling to get the suitcase ready. I'm stressed out. I don't sleep well. And then half the time, I forget, half, I forget half the time, what, half of what I needed for the trip. And it's just not a good thing. This last trip, now that I'm treated, well, I was doing laundry a week before. I said, you know what? I'm going to start packing my suitcase. I got everything packed for the trip a week ahead of time. I had the suitcase. We went on a nice trip. I wasn't rushing the night before. I had everything and I slept so much better because I had all of those completed tasks and it might be with exercise. You know, I got stuff done. I know exercise is good. They often rationalize. I know it's great, but 
I got three little kids at home and to tell my wife, I need to go run and work out for two hours and just leave the family after I've been gone for 10 or 11 hours at work because I can't get things efficiently. <laughs> so I, they're in this tough spot and then they lay in bed and they can't wear their body out. Well, interesting enough, it's the hyperactive component of ADHD is worse at night than it is during the day. And if you, again, listen to somebody describing their evenings, what they say is when the sun goes down and it gets fully dark and everybody else is getting quiet and ready for bed, I get a burst of energy. Mm -hmm. And it's usually the most productive time of the day. I get more done than my mood's best. And I know that if I get into bed at a reasonable hour, I can't shut off my brain and body. I'll toss and turn and kick the covers off and replay the day on average two hours every night. Once I do fall asleep, I continue to toss and turn, wake up to every noise in the house. And that goes to a 4 a.m. in the morning when I go into the sleep of the dead. And it's almost impossible for me to wake up. And often their spouse may be wanting to watch a movie with them. And they're like, all right, I, I just I just can't sit through movies. I just I gotta get up, I gotta do laundry, I gotta, I gotta clean the kitchen. And they're like, come on, just relax. It's Friday night. Let's you might not even have you could have the weekend off, a vacation, Christmas vacation coming up, and you don't have to, but I just can't sit, which often can be frustrating. There's so many impacts on daily life with ADHD and fibromyalgia. And part of it is too, is the lack of awareness. I've had a patient of mine who years ago came to me after struggling, dropped out of college, went to junior college. He had been diagnosed with ADHD in middle school. Parents were going through a divorce and he was a lean athletic kid, heard it could affect appetite. You know, he's trying to gain muscle, so he didn't really take it. Did quote, okay, I like the Verizon just okay commercials. You know, yeah. you're, you know, hey, the brakes, uh, something will stop you eventually, you know, but it's not, you're not, you're not thriving the way you could. And so he came in and said, you know, I really, despite my best efforts, realized I do have ADHD. He was young enough to know like about ADHD and he went to get help. And I did talk to his mom over lunch with his permission to call her to get permission and take the history. And she confirmed everything. And I just said, as I do this as a favor now, I didn't do this early in my career, but I'm sure you probably do. I just say, Hey, just so you know, this runs in the family. Odds are either you or his dad has it and not to be judgmental. I'm just saying, if you had to guess which one, and she said, Oh, wow. That's his dad. You know what? And that's his dad's dad. And she said something and it was so impactful. She said, and they got divorced seven years earlier. She said, I wish I would have known that when we were married. And I think a lot of times the relationship, when you're trying to get support with fibro and ADHD, it's nice to have support, but that can be perceived just like the parent of a child who doesn't want to study is, you know, I'm sick of your excuses. You always impulsively buy stuff at the store you don't need, and you end up also forgetting the things. And and suddenly, <laughs> gradually over time, that erodes at the relationship, and it can be very frustrating. In your entire career, have you ever had a patient say, gee, I'm glad I waited that extra 10 years to get diagnosed? And, and that's, and, and that's it's, it's, a, all, it's similar with fibromyalgia. The delay in diagnosis is so high. And one of my chapters in the book is called Connecting the Dots. 
And it's somewhat like a mystery novel. All of these clues were there, but the good detective in these detective shows and movies sees how all of these are connected and says, this is a rational explanation for what's going on. If we can team up and put these in a comprehensive approach to help you function and be the best. And there was an article in Attitude Magazine called uh, Morning My uh, Diagnosis, somebody who had gone at around 18 in college thinking she had ADHD. All these other diagnoses wasn't until 10 years later that a psychiatrist like yourself took the time and history made the diagnosis and treated her. And, And she said, I grieve or mourn the last 10 years of struggles academically, seeing people of the same intelligence pass me by having failed relationships. And, and, and I think, you know, I take care of patients at 28 and you and I are older, but I go, well, you're still young. Right. Um, but at I've age got 20, four patients in their eighties, you talk about people who mourn what their lives might've been if they'd only known 70 years earlier, that that's some regret. For many of you listening to this podcast episode, as well as other podcast episodes, you may be starting to have some things make sense that you maybe felt unexplained in the past, and now this may be applying to you. We talked about the delayed diagnosis, and this applies to many of you and probably most of you who have fibromyalgia. I have a patient of mine who had fibromyalgia going back 20 plus years and saw him for the first day. He has the most severe fibromyalgia that I think I've ever had, a fibromyalgia impact score of 97. 20 plus years into it, about a year ago, his neurosurgeon mentioned that he may have fibromyalgia, but he didn't even know how to pronounce it. At least the patient didn't, never pursued it, never followed up with it. And interestingly, he has a daughter with recent diagnosis of fibromyalgia. So for you, I'd love to get your feedback. Please email me at drmichaellens at gmail.com if you'd like to share your story. I'd love to hear your feedback. It'd be great if you could hit the subscribe or follow button. Share this with others. Like I said... If you have these issues, or odds are there's many people like yourself who are struggling and need to hear this information as well. Until next week's episode, where we continue this conversation with Dr. Dobson, I enjoyed getting a chance to go with you wherever you are. If you're going for a walk, if you're doing some mundane routine activities like folding laundry or doing the dishes, If you're going for a drive, I hope this drive and doing these chores have been more interesting and enjoyable for you. Take care and go Team Fibro.